This podcast has language that some people may find offensive. You're listening to Opie and Anthony. On the virus. Serious XM. This is Shock Chocks, the rise and fall of Opie and Anthony. I'm Matt Provenzano. But enough of this palaver. Let's get the show on the road. Episode 5. The little cunt won't even look at me. On November 16th, 2004, Opie said this. At this point, I don't even understand why people get married. I don't. I could never do it again. I don't think I'll ever get married at this point. I don't know why I did it the first time. I had a shot at it, and it failed miserably, obviously. Uh, but uh, but I don't, I don't think... Uh, I, it's just not worth it. On November 22nd, 2008, four years later, almost to the date... Opie married his girlfriend, Lindsay. Opie got married, and um, it was in California, and uh, he's upset about the ban. <laughs> married his girl. Of course he did. The lovely Lindsay was yes. uh, as beautiful as, uh, as everyone thought she would be. Six months after the infamous sex tape debacle, Opie was now a married man. This came as kind of a surprise, considering Opie's shock jock nature. Not to mention Opie getting a front row seat to the massacre that was Anthony's marriage and eventual divorce. I have to get my ex-wife insurance, so if I drop dead, she gets paid. Can you believe that? But he did it. To me, this signified a significant change in soul. Opie was actually settling down and becoming a family man. Anthony was still in and out of relationships and living as a single millionaire. Opie's marriage represents the midway point between the career of Opie and Anthony. They were no longer young, crazy guys with these wacky radio antics. They were both in their late 40s, and they were changing and slowly separating. It wasn't even anyone's fault. It was just two adult men starting to lead different lives. They started to relate to each other less and less. Now, it's kind of hard to think of Opie as the one who would pour syrup all over naked women in the studio. But Anthony still had that lifestyle in his heart. He still hooked up with random girls every week, he still loved messing with strippers on air, and generally had a vibe of, who cares, let's just have fun. Even Jim was like that in a sense. When it came to reasons why Opie and Anthony were starting to not see eye to eye as much, this is by far the most reasonable and tame, compared to, say, a fight about yogurt. On March 12th, 2009, this happened. A lot of people... Grapes. You want to eat grapes and we'll do this after the break? No, okay. Uh, a lot of uh, a lot of people have had... Why don't you eat yogurt? <laughs> huh? I don't do that anymore. I know. I just started. I really don't. <laughs> I realize that it's annoying, so I, I, I just like do it on the side. Um, All right. In 12 years, you could yell at me. <laughs> uh, whatever. Come on. I'm fucking around. You're in a bad fucking mood. I told you I. I've I know, been but in a don't let it affect the days. fucking show. You're in a bad has fucking it? mood. Has it the last two days? Yes, it has. No, it has. You've been in a cranky fucking mood. Mm -hmm. I understand. We've been fired from fucking CBS <clears throat> and shit. But let me tell you something. I'm not the only one that that notices. You're in a cranky fucking mood. Want, Everyone's noticed. Do you want me to start talking about what people notice about you? Leave it alone. Yeah, tell me. L Go leave ahead. it alone. Tell me what people notice about alone. me. Leave it alone. I'm not leaving anything alone. Leave it alone. Leave it alone. Be honest. What happened? You had your. You had a lot of moments over the last few years. Leave it alone. Seriously. How did I have moments over the leave years? Leave it alone. Just leave it alone. Why leave it alone? It was a. It was a little. I made thing. a fucking joke. It's a joke. It's a funny the, show. I didn't go and for you, the joke today. That's all. Leave you're it fucking alone. making faces at me. Leave it alone. I don't need faces. Leave it alone. 
Seriously. I'm not going to leave it alone. You didn't leave it alone. You're the one that made the fucking face <clears throat> when I'm making jokes. It's, it's self-deprecating humor. We do it all the time. I we goof on each I other. I go for the grape joke. Big fucking deal. If you want, you know, big deal. Just leave it alone. I made a joke that for 12 fucking years, you rattled your spoon in the yogurt. It, it was funny. It became a bit with the fucking audience. They understand exactly what the fuck we're talking about. Leave it alone. Leave it the fuck alone. Leave it alone. Holy shit. You, just because you're really into doing the show again, leave it alone. Seriously. Really into doing the show again. As opposed to leave when I wasn't alone. into doing the show. You said people are talking. I mean, if you want to talk about people talking, people talking, just leave it alone. You, you know how passive aggressively you know threw that I wasn't you, interested uh, in doing the show for some because, set period of time because that you, you said, fucking did. Because you said people uh, have noticed, and you know who they're, noticed. They're, they're, I'm, who noticed? I'm just saying. Give me a fucking I'm name. I'm just saying it works both ways. Give me a name. Who noticed? It works I both ways. Who noticed? I went through a period where I didn't want to do the show. It works both oh, was that ways. Opie's interpretation? During one of your miserable ways. phases that I didn't want to do the fucking show. Don't worry, dude. This will be over soon. You go your way, I go mine. Trust See, me. that would... Oh, Trust me. oh, I could bring up the fact Trust that you've me. mentioned that 80 fucking times in the past couple of months. Because that people have noticed, too. Because Hey, how come Opie keeps bringing that up? Because that's really going to happen. Why? Because it's, it's just time. Why is it time? Because we've done everything. We've now, done, have you done everything? Done radio. But it's time maybe to move on to some new challenges. Is it? Yes. Yeah, I think so. Well, you brought it up enough times. so. Perhaps you want to. This would be one of the first times that Opie brings up the idea of ending the show. Not because of a radio bit, not making a joke out of the management rules annoying him, but because of his growing separation from Anthony. Holy fuck you, man. I couldn't have gotten there. I was sick. You could have got there. You asked me, so I'm telling you. I was fucking sick. How are you to, who are you to tell me I could have gotten there? You could have got there. Yeah, sure, I could have. I was the one that really needed the day off. I was in bed. Oh, oh what were you? Yeah. I was fucking sick. I had a fever and the flu. Let's something. stop doing this. I don't what? care. I could go do something else. No, you couldn't. I certainly oh, For this? I, I could do something else tomorrow. What? Do another radio show, whatever. Good. Or sit out a year. I don't care. Really? Yes. You're going to spin really? records again? Oh, you're going to make Are fun you? of me? No, I'm not making fun of it. Like I'm making fun of me. At least I'm not like, saying you like, didn't uh, like fucking want to do the show. Like I didn't, like I didn't, wasn't successful on my own. It felt like a very natural fight that would happen between brothers. Years of built up tension. It was all going to come out eventually. My whole problem with you is very simple. I, I don't hate you. I don't dislike you. But I we're moving in extremely different directions. And, and it, it, it is going to be close to time to move on. That's all. That's you know all. something? I've always come in here. Dude, you, you, had, you, you went through a period that you were not into the show as well. Compared to most of the fights on ONA, this actually wasn't the most vicious serve even that long. They even make a joke about it at the end. If you eat another grape, you're you're dead. I was feeling my grape. All right. Uh, 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 don't, I was tapping. Don't even attempt. Tapping my grape. Don't even attempt it. Seeing if they're ripe. Welcome to all the new people who signed up today. <laughs> Serious XM. <laughs> this is what you get. <laughs> Damn enabler. But it was definitely effective. When they got back from break, it was like nothing ever happened. A little shout out to WWTDD. That's uh, what would Tyler Durden do.com. They're, they're fans of the show. I think it's wrong to say that this is the start of the downfall of Opie and Anthony. The grape fight was certainly an agent of destruction, but that feeling of growing detachment from each other had been felt for years. Now, they just said it out loud. We did very well for ourselves. We've done it for 14 years. It, it might be time to move on. 
before、mm. it gets ugly. But the fact is that at this point, they haven't been that close in quite some time, and they're still doing a radio show, talking to each other four hours a day. Some real shit is going to come out eventually. Opie and Anthony recovered from that fight, and the show went on. In fact, some of their best bits were yet to come. On December 11th, 2009, with Patrice O'Neill in studio as usual, Opie and Anthony had a homeless man named Daniel Mustard, shortened to simply Homeless Mustard. Well, let's start from the beginning, Mustard. Okay, your, I, okay your, as he was saying, what's your I story? I used to be a normal person. He was supposed to participate in the annual homeless shopping spree, but one thing led to another, and the event couldn't happen. So instead, they put on a homeless talent show. You know, I had some, you know, there's some other shit I could tell you about my childhood. You want to go through that yeah, abuse and ch- sexual and、sure. physical abuse and yeah, yeah, abuse and all that. We can go through that if you want. And I got really depressed. It depressed me. It depressed the hell out of me.、Um, and、uh, I just kind of everything just kind of fell away. Everything just kind of fell away. Really? I lost the job. I lost the nice cushy job that I had, where I was making way more money than I should have been doing. What、should've、was the job?、Making. I was selling vitamins over the phone, <laughs> wholesale. You ever think、um, about committing a crime? You go try to rob a bank, and if you succeed, you got some money. If you don't, you get twenty years in in fucking indoors in, in warmth. <laughs> yeah. You ever been in prison? Yeah. What's in warmth? What you mean in warmth? He's talking about prison. You get you just do something, you just inside、oh, for the rest of your fucking life.、Oh. Yeah. Nah, that's stupid. Mustard came in with a guitar. Well, Mustard's got a guitar. A guitar. Oh yeah. You want to、yeah. play some for us? Blast us out some tunes. After a few minutes of the guys picking his brain, Opie asks if he does covers. Now, Mustard, do you do any covers? Yeah. What, what do you do? Maybe. We, hold on. What, what do you want to do? You'll recognize this. Okay, Mustard. It's a great anthem of my youth. I think we know this. Oh、no、shit! <laughs> I want to hear this interpretation. When you hear the fall, could look you in the eyes. You float like a feather, and your skin it make me cry.、Oh. You're just like an angel. The video of this performance was uploaded to YouTube. It currently has 30 million views and is the most watched video on the Opie Radio channel. You're so fucking special. I wish I was special, <clears throat> but I'm a creep. I'll bet most of you have seen this on YouTube and didn't even know what radio show he was on. It was Opie and Anthony. It's so interesting. You would expect most of the comments on the video to be Opie and Anthony in jokes, but no, they're all about how beautiful this rendition is, because it's not beautiful. The rugged, gravelly cigarette smoker voice makes it what it is. It's perfectly imperfect. Whatever makes you happy. Whatever you want. You're so fucking special.、Oh, I wish I was special. 
Jesus, Monster, Jesus what the fuck? Wow. We, we got to clean your shit God up, man. Now I'm damn depressed. <laughs> you know, that is the best That's interpretation of that song I've heard besides Radiohead. You would, you would what? Win, you would... October 26th, 2011. <laughs> All I know is the door opened. You guys were fighting for the big chair. I wasn't yes. fighting. Yeah. We heard that yeah. Voss got here early because he wanted a good seat. Yeah. Is that that's what you heard? Yeah, yeah, that's what like, a few people that told us. Your snitches yeah. said I didn't. Say, that's not why I got here early. A few people told me that, Rich. A few people said I got here early because I. Wanted this episode started out as any other. Bob Kelly was in the studio along with Rich Voss, Colin Quinn, and Keith Robinson. Can we get this? Fucking animal to stop eating porridge on the fucking radio show. Stop it. We don't like hearing you talk with your regular porridge. Wow, Voss, you got some sleep last night. However, 30 minutes into the broadcast, the mood started to change. Um, well, you know, look, we just, we gotta. Yeah. Who wants to do this? Look, we're, we're all here. You know, um, to kind of, I guess, make a, um, to let people know that one of our really, really good friends uh, fell ill, uh, fell sick. He um, uh, Patrice, Patrice O'Neill um, um, had a stroke. One week prior, Patrice O'Neill had suffered from a stroke and was rushed to the hospital. It was a blood clot in his brain. In the hospital, he was unresponsive, unable to speak or move. The broadcast on October 26th informed the public for the first time about Patrice's condition. Right, but uh, we don't we don't know <clears throat> how he is. I mean, uh, you know, it's too soon to tell. I, I, anybody that knows about strokes, I mean, it's it's it takes a while sometimes. We just don't know. Yeah. Um, we don't know how he's going to be. But, but you know, this is not a memorial, and right. you know, yeah. we're not. This is not why yeah. these guys are in here. It's not like you know, oh, this is to remember them. It's just to time to tell you what's going on. But Jim Norton asked his comedian friends to come on the show and deliver the message because he couldn't bring himself to do it. It's not a memorial, but I was thinking of the, the things me and Patrice. I remember one time Patrice and I were walking from the comedy cellar back to our car. No, I'm just, I'm just okay. in the fun time. It's not a memorial, it's just, but it's not, not a memorial. memorial. It's 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 Everyone in studio, while devastated, seemed to be optimistic, at least in front of the microphone. They all knew that everything was going to be okay. We, we pray that everything works out. And, and deep in my heart, for real, I think everything will work out. November 29th, 2011. Less than a month after Patrice was rushed to Jersey City Medical Center, Patrice O'Neill passed away at the age of 41. The man who spoke for funny died. The next day, Opie and Anthony held what was basically an almost four-hour eulogy, keeping Patrice in remembrance. We lost our dear friend uh, Patrice O'Neill. Yeah. That giant fucking mind and oh, loud I know. voice to be—you can't have it. No, you can't no. Have it. Silenced. I mean, you just oh, can't yeah, be no, alive no, and no, have that. No, not. No, no. It, this is. Uh, oh yeah. We've all lost people. I mean, every fucking person listening to our voices. Oh, yeah. But for some reason, this one is really fucking rough. Yeah, it's kind of a you know testament to who he was. The fucking guy is just so full of life. He took over a room. 
Just fucking took over a room wherever yeah. he went. Mm. Wherever the fucking guy went. But there was no buffer period between, like, where he would meet you and, and then start giving you shit. Right. It was just immediate. Yeah, right. It really was. <laughs> He'd call you out in a second. And you knew, you, well, yeah, you, you had to have your shit together when he was around. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because he would call you out on every, everything from your dumb shirt to your stupid joke. Yeah. He, yeah. Would, he would call you out on it. Comedians from all walks of life came to share their own stories about him. Bob Kelly... I'm driving a black dude back to the project. It was just driving Patrice home. He was always just Patrice. He was never, I'm black, you're white. It was just fucking Patrice all right. the time. Yep. Joe Rogan. That it all comes from the same place. That funny all comes from the same place. It was brilliant. The way he said it, the way he put it was brilliant. Jim Florentine. I'm at the comedy cellar and I do a set and I guess he's following me. So he's in the hallway and I walk out and he's just shaking his head. He's like, you drove in for Jersey for that? <laughs> And he pulls a 20 out. He goes, here's some tall money. I feel bad for you. At first, I'm like, what a fucking dick. Joe DeRosa. And he would talk about, like, if somebody at a club, when he was coming up, would say, Patrice, don't do that bit where you say cunt or whatever. And he'd go, you know, is it a big deal for me not to do the bit? Not really, but it's just a matter of I can't allow you to tell me to not do it. Bill Burr. Do you know one time he had a meeting at Comedy Central? He went in there and spent 45 minutes trashing the executives. For putting Mind of Mencia on the air. <laughs> Colin Quinn. I remember one time just walking in it, and it was like a soundproof office. And he was sitting there, and I looked over at the guy, and he had this horrified look on his face. And Patrice was talking as if, yeah, you were a couple of guys having a conversation. And I just walked in, and I heard, like, pussy and bitches. <laughs> like, he was just, like, spouting to this, like, white guy in his 50s in a fucking suit. Louis C.K.? The best part, though, was walking down to the subway with him, and then we'd stand on, like, 6th Avenue and 57th and just stand there for, like, four hours yeah, and yeah. just talk. Oh, yeah. fuck yeah. And he'd say openly sexual things to every woman that walked by, <laughs> and they would all smile. <laughs> you look yeah. delicious. Yeah, he's just like, look at you with those pants. <laughs> <laughs> Amy Schumer. You'd see him get that look in his eye, like, you know, and you didn't know what, what mood Patrice was going to be, and he could be the most lovely, like, little angel, or he would just slowly turn. It was like slow-mo, and I saw him sizing up the dude I was with, and I'm like, no, <laughs> running over. Dave Attell. He was definitely the fucking wildest commander of, like, a stage and, like, dominate these clubs. And then if he didn't like the clubs, he wouldn't go back. You know, yeah, it wouldn't yeah. be like this whole thing of, like, you know, play ball or whatever. Russ Maniv. For 20 minutes, just a steady stream of well-thought-out insults and wow. just let everybody yeah. have with, with no fear of losing it. or what. He was really, really willing to walk away Ultimate all the balls. Time. And, of course, Opie, Anthony, and Jim. There was some, uh, some homeless people, of course, out on the street. We passed by, I guess, a couple of black homeless people. And then Melinda pulled out a five and gave it to one of the white homeless people, and Patrice just laid into it. So oh, look at you, you sweet little racist. <laughs> and just started fucking pounding it. It was hilarious. Because a lot of people were scared of him. He was, he was mean. He was la oh, But God. that fucking silly motherfucker, <laughs> like the guy genuinely falling on the floor, right. laughing yeah. at Bobo's dick, like, that's the guy. If, if you ask me to sum up Patrice and what I know, that's yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. In, in that moment. All coming together to pay tribute and pay their respects. In true comedian fashion, they did the one thing they know best in order to console each other. They made each other laugh. I said to somebody, like, I had a very complete friendship with him. Like, there's nothing 
Did you said that to together? me. Oh, was it to you? Yeah, okay. apparently we don't have that, but go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I'm right here, Jim. I didn't remember. I'm so, you were just a big pair of fat ears I was saying it to. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> All right, so listen. I was talking to this fat fuck that I know, and I say... It was so hard to come up with shit to make fun of Patrice, because that's all you could get him on, was he has diabetes or he looks like a gorilla. Like, there was no... Holy Jesus shit. Christ. But that was the only... Yeah. There, that was the only thing... Like, I think the only we just found the eulogy writer. For <laughs> 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 the next day. <laughs> we got a purple suit to buy and a gigantic coffin, all right? Let's make things happen. All right? <laughs> Enough hemming and hawing about it. Oh, my God. Fans of the show have often stated that this broadcast is not only the best episode of ONA, but one of the best radio broadcasts of all time. A lot of fans and... Uh... Patrice was on the show a total of 137 times. The Opie and Anthony show wasn't the same after Patrice died. I mean, come on. I, I, mean, it's so I really miss Patrice. Oh, I know. So do I. I just want to say we missed the hell out of Patrice, man. He's he made everyone in this room better, and uh, it kills us to this day. In December of 2012, Anthony went to F. H. Riley's, a restaurant in New York City owned by Opie's brother Brett. It was a weekend, so the place was packed, and there was a long wait. Anthony spoke to the host to try to get himself a table. Being one third of the Opie and Anthony radio show, it's fair to assume that he would get the treatment of Henry Hill from Goodfellas. But not only did the host not seat Anthony. He didn't even know who he was, or what the radio show was. So, Anthony had to wait. And he started tweeting. The tweets have since been deleted, but they read something along the lines of, I can't believe I'm here, I'm not getting seated, I'm not getting a free drink yet. Whatever it was, it was enough for people to take notice, and to take it seriously. Anthony would later say to Newsweek, quote, If anyone took that seriously, they're out of their minds. I was having fun. If I didn't enjoy where I was or felt I wasn't treated well, I would have left. Unquote. Opie was notified, and he took it personal. He took it as a jab at his family, and he was not having it at all. When I found out about this, I'm like, holy crap, you know, the, the least he could have done was texted me and said, yo, I'm at F.E. Riley's, and, you know, kind of being, even if he said I'm being treated shitty, that would have been fine. That would have, that would have at least been something. But he didn't contact me whatsoever. This certainly wouldn't be the last time that Twitter has gotten Anthony in trouble, but we'll get to that later. The weekend came and went, and the tension of the tweets was left to linger. That Monday, December 10th, Opie and Anthony returned back to work. Opie and Jim were talking to each other in the studio, and Anthony came in slightly late. Opie refused to look at Anthony. They sat in studio and played their intro song, Ecstasy of Gold. While the intro was playing, the tension in the room could be cut with a knife. Imagine having to be with an acquaintance that made you irate, and now they're sitting eight feet away from you. So, while the song was playing, and Opie was looking at the wall, Opie gets a text. It was from Anthony. So I look down, and the text says, the little cunt won't even look at me. I went, what? And I'm like, huh? What? Why is Anthony? Text me that. What? Who's not looking at? Then I realized that the text was meant for somebody else and that he fucking sent it to me. Opie, understandably, 
was furious. The two had what Opie calls a huge blowout, one of the worst of their careers, and Opie stormed out of the room, refusing to do the show. And then, the show started. Hi, everybody. Sorry for the delay. Yes. Big delay in our broadcast. Turn this up. All right, get rid of the music. Jesus. <laughs> Good morning. I, uh, it was a weird beginning. I, I walked in with my dick out, yeah. and I just refused to put it away. And nobody <laughs> was, would start the show until I put it away. It was very distracting. Anthony and Jim did their best to carry the show, and the audience was none the wiser. It wasn't revealed who Anthony intended to send that text to. Anthony said in an interview, quote, Suffice to say, it was somebody who deserved to know that there was a problem between the two of us at that moment. Unquote. Later in his book, Anthony revealed he intended to send it to Jimmy. Opie went to Mel Carmazan, then CEO of Sirius, and he told him that he quit. Carmazan would not allow him to do that. He literally would not let me quit. And he calmed me down and says, look, you know... I know you guys got issues and stuff, but you guys are good together. You got to, you know, maybe you got to go in there, try to figure this shit out. And I did. But honestly, I, I, I don't know. There was something about that that cut even deeper some of the other shit. And I, I don't think I ever got, you know, over that because now he's, he's fucking with my family. I mean, he was treated bad at F.H. Riley's. And we did end up talking about it. And we did end up patching it up. Three days later, on December 13th, Opie and Anthony were back on the radio again. Hi. Me and Anthony had a fight. Danny's uh, fired. Good morning, everybody. <laughs> you guys didn't even talk about that. What's wrong with you? Well, you weren't nah, here. we just kind of <laughs> let it ride. Good morning, everybody. Another <laughs> moment. They acknowledge what happened very briefly. Anyway. Yeah. And then move on. That fucking concert last night was terrific. I'm sleepy now because of it. I stayed up for the whole thing, and it was like 1.15. What the argument was about and what the text said wasn't even public knowledge until three years later. This was one of the final blows to the relationship between Opie, Anthony, and Jim. Everyone got over it, hearts were mended, and begrudging apologies were given. But that blowout left a huge and lasting effect on the remainder of their careers. next time on Shock Jocks. Find out exactly how the Opie and Anthony show fell apart, starting with some photos in Manhattan. Shock Jocks was created by me, Matt Provenzano. The music you are hearing was made by Brad Fry. The first part of the theme song is Gang With No Name by Tex-Mex from Director's Cuts. It can be found on ExtremeMusic.com. The second part of the theme song is Don't Stand Alone by Set It Free under Gas Can Music. The album artwork was created by Nick Balsamo. Thanks for listening. <laughs> <laughs>